Hi, and welcome to Picard Cast. This week, I'm Brooke. I mean, every week, I'm Brooke. But this week, I'm the main host. And, of course, with me, I've got the best co-hostess, co-captain, with the mostest. She's happening. It's Rebecca. <laughs> uh, you know, this week, I don't want to be Rebecca. Um, this week, I will... Uh be Jerry Ryan. Thank you very much. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've always wanted to be an incredibly attractive, incredibly talented actress, so I think I'll just be Jerry Ryan this week. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. Um, and, of course, uh, we have a guest with us. Uh, we have a returning guest, our friend Nicola. Hey! From Hello. New York, our, che- our favorite cheesemonger. <laughs> Aw, thank you. So yes, my... My co-New Yorker. Yes. <laughs> uh, so how are you? Oh, you know, just living the best life as a cheesemonger in, you know, New York City. <laughs> uh, how are you like, you know, usually we ask people why they pick an episode, but because this is the actual Picard season, I uh, would just kind of like to see what you're thinking about the season so far. You know, I would say as a season, I, I like this season much better than the first season. I feel like, you know, right out of the gate, we get the Borg, we get time travel, we get, um, you know, fascist human empire. I mean, it, it's been a really exciting season and they, they've thrown a lot at us really quickly in the beginning. I like it. Uh, it seems to be the consensus. I feel like everybody's liked this season, whether they've liked all the episodes or not. So far, it seems mm-hmm. like everybody we've talked to is like, has had fun with it. So, so that's good. Cause you know, we don't need any negativity. <laughs> oh wait, let's, let's recap this first. <laughs> uh, you know, cause we always bring up things. Um, all right. So this episode is season two, of course, episode eight entitled mercy. It was written by Cindy Appel and Kristen Bayer. Uh, and this one was the second episode directed by Joe Menendez. Um, we have, as always, Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard, Alison Pill as Dr. Agnes Gerardi slash the Borg Queen, uh, Santiago Cabrera as Cristobal Rios, um, we see Sol Rodriguez as Dr. Teresa Ramirez, uh, and then we have, uh, Jerry Ryan as Rebecca, <laughs> I mean, seven of nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the great Michelle Hurd as Rappy Mustaker. Uh, we get Evan Evagoria back as Elnor for more than just a quick look at his face. <laughs> um, we have the unstoppable John Delancey as Q. Brent Spiner is, of course, back as Adam Soong with Isa Briones as Corey Soong. And then we have Jay Carnes as Martin Wells. Which they don't ever say his first name, but that's what it said on the internet. So it must be true. <laughs> you can't put lies on the internet. Every, everyone knows that. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, thank, thank goodness we have those rules. <laughs> anyway, and I did not get the synopsis. So here we are looking up the synopsis in real time. If I, I can like spell. It's cutting edge. going real slow because there's lots of things going on with my computer. <laughs> it's 
It's like I need the Jeopardy music, right? Okay. <clears throat> With time running out before the launch of the Europa mission, Picard and Guinan must free themselves from FBI custody. Seven and Raffi come face to face with Gerardi and the horrors of what she's become. And there's a little more that happens, but hey, that's that's the gist of it. So we start this episode and we see this child running through the forest and he's kind of falling and tripping over things and he's sliding down hills and stuff and he drops his flashlight and then when he picks it up, you know, he kind of shakes it because it doesn't work and he gets it on. And he shines it on some Vulcans and screams. And that's all we've got. Um, you know, at first I see this kid running and then, uh, and, but he's, and then I realize that he's not like the little English kid. So I'm like, it's probably the Wells guy. Did, did you guess? <laughs> did I thought it was Picard right away. Like as soon as I see a kid running in the forest, he's young. I thought it was Picard running from his father. I did it first, and then I'm like, no, no, that's not the same kid. And it my, just, and I, I feel like if I hadn't have been sitting, I was in my room, so I was sitting on my bed, so I was a lot closer to the TV. I feel like if I'd been in the living room and farther away, I would not, I would have not known until later when we find out who it is. It didn't dawn on me that it was um, anyone other than Picard, because when the Vulcans show up, like when he shines his flashlight finally. I was like, oh, well, maybe this is a dream Picard's having or something. I, I didn't put the two and two together. That's completely fair. Rebecca, what were you going to say? Um, I also, my first thought was, oh, this is more of young Picard. Um, that I think that the just from the amount of um, time we've spent with young Picard, I, that was where I first went. Um but then as soon as the kid spoke and he was like calling for his dog, then I'm like, or his, I guess, I'm assuming it was his dog that got lost. Um, I, I was like, oh, this is not Picard. And then when he shined the light and saw the Vulcans, I was like, oh, that's definitely not Picard because Vulcans wouldn't be doing some weird experiments on earth, you know, in the, in secret during Picard's youth. Um, I don't know. Are either of you familiar with the uh, Enterprise episode Carbon Creek? Yeah. So the, I read online that this, based on the age of uh, the FBI agent and how, you know, based on when this kid would be growing up, it's about 30 years different. Yes. Yeah, that that was uh, when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is like that Enterprise. Is this the same episode? Because, Brooke, if, if you're not familiar, there's an episode in, in Enterprise called Car Carbon Creek where um, it establishes that back in 1957, there were Vulcans who were surveying Earth and uh, they, they crashed and they got stuck and they had to live on Earth for a, for quite a bit. Um and it establishes that there, there were Vulcans here long before First Contact Day, and they had just been, like, sort of observing Earth. Um, but, yeah, he, he would be – he's too young to be for that particular episode, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But now showing that it looks like – it looks like it to me like it was probably like the 70s, 
if I had to make yeah. a guess based on how old he is, I guessed it. Yeah, it was the 70s. So, like, I think they're basically saying that even, you know, so after the 50s, when the Balkans were here on Earth and they got stuck here and they had to live on Earth, even after that, in the 70s and 80s, Balkans did come back to Earth. They were still observing Earth and they were still running. It seems like they were, like, just studying humans about, you know, what, as like a somewhat of a, I would guess, in their eyes, we, we were like a like a primitive species. So, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. I thought it was a nice little callback, though, to that particular episode, which is, it. I, I think it's one of the better episodes of, of Enterprise. Oh, I, I'm a huge Enterprise fan. I, oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but they did say in that episode, because remember, the one Vulcan stays behind. Yes. Um, and... There's a conversation, I don't remember exactly, but it's like, there's not going to be another survey for another 20 years. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah, so this could be the returning survey that's coming back, because about 20, 30 years difference, that would be the right time frame for this kid. Yeah, it absolutely would be. And I have to admit, I've only watched Enterprise one time as a complete series. Um, I, I, It's not my favorite to be totally honest, of of the Star Trek series, but I do recall that particular episode as being quite good, and um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was a neat callback to that episode. Yeah, I didn't know anything about that until I was reading some, like, Easter eggs and stuff, um, and this one that I was reading, it also mentions that uh, Terry Metalis, who is the showrunner for this season of Picard, was also a production assistant on, on Enterprise for all four seasons. So that's... Oh, uh, I did not even know. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Also, just a quick little... It's not really an Easter egg, but just a really interesting fact. So the uh, so there's two Vulcans that the kid sees, a man and a woman. Um, the woman is... The, the actress who plays her is married to the actor who plays the bartender that Seven and uh, Raffi talk to oh, later in the episode. I call him oh. the I call him the bar proprietor in my notes. The bar proprietor. <laughs> I enjoy that. Yes, they. That's not really an Easter egg. It's just interesting trivia that they are married in real life. I learned that by watching a Star Trek video earlier today. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, we had. Um, uh, Patrick Stewart's, I kept trying to say Jean-Luc Picard, and I'm like, that's not his real name. I mean, we had his wife on, you know, was that last week or two weeks ago? Whenever she was singing. Oh, my gosh. All of these weeks are starting to blur in my head. I know. No, it it definitely wasn't last week. I think it was like two weeks ago, maybe. Anyway, so, yeah, so we're we're getting all of the, all the families in here. <laughs> anyway, so... We jump to in this interrogation room, and we have Wells questioning Picard and young Guinan. He asks if they're aliens, and Picard is like, I can tell you with all honesty, absolutely I'm not, kind of thing. And Guinan just laughs and laughs and laughs. Um, and she mentions that this must be off the books, because they're in some sort of basement, and he's like... He's like, uh, yeah, well, I want to know what you're doing with this Europa mission. Because he's, he's, you know, he's not, 
interrogating them. He's interviewing them. He said he doesn't like the word interrogation, but I mean, he's like doing, he's like trying as hard as to be like bad cop, but he's not that bad of a bad cop. <laughs> but he's still like, anyway. You know, like he's more oh. like a rumpled cop. There you go. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Rumpled cop. <laughs> because he's just like the whole thing about oh, a lot of things disappear in FBI field office basements. Could be aliens next, you know, kind of thing. Like he's trying to be tough, but he's not doing a very good job of it. Uh, at least not to me and as the audience. Um, so then we have the credit. He's trying to seize his little moment. Like this is this is his moment. He's trying to seize it, and I. That's it fine. never felt like he quite pulled it off. It, that's yes, I agree. <laughs> uh, so then we have the credits. You know, the updated music, and I just wonder if the music's going to be a little bit different next season too. That would be fun. Anyway, just a thought. Um, <laughs> So, we see L.A. in 2024. Uh, Raffi and Seven are looking for Agnes still. Um, you know, they call Rios to be like, hey, did she, you know, did she Borgify anything else on, <laughs> I wrote on the shield, and that's not what I meant to type, but that's okay. Um, you know, so they're like, hey, you make sure she didn't Borgify other things, and he's just like, oh, okay. And, um, then <laughs> Rafi is like, you know, you know what it's like to be a Borg. You can follow her. You can figure out being her brain and all this stuff. And Seven's like, I don't have implants. I can't, like, connect with her that way. And then Rafi says, oh, we'll do it analog and Borg it up. <laughs> it's like, yikes. <laughs> I know. That was so harsh. So... Her analog way is um, to use her newfound confidence in people not being scared of her. And she goes right up to the bar proprietor and asks him where Agnes went. Um, he thinks Agnes is crazy, but he doesn't want her mistreated by the cops. So he doesn't want to tell them if they're cops where she went. Which I think is good because they do treat mentally ill people badly sometimes. And, you know, that that was understandable, although he did not realize that it was much, much worse than that. <laughs> um, so Seven is like, she's my sister, you know, and I want to find her before the police do, you know, she's, she's, she's having a lot of trouble, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> That was kind of great because she's just, she, she was always so hard and rigid when she still like has her Borg implants. But now that she's like completely back to being a human, she can, she's been able to like be more human, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, and also, yeah, like, like you, you really see like a different side of her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I really enjoyed about this season is that you really see a different side of seven of nine of like, there's this freedom to her where she not having the Borg implants and not having people treat her a certain way. 
has really um, brought out qualities in her that like even she didn't know she had. And so I think when when Rafi tells her, come on, time to board, get up. I think she I think she really resents that because she feels like I mean, she even says stuff to her like, is that is that like all you think I'm good for? Like, do you think all I am is like, oh, you're I'm only good for the Borg stuff. Like, I, I, I understood where she was coming from and feeling as that being like sort of her her knee jerk reaction mm-hmm. to that. Well, I mean, and it was because that's not exactly what she said. What did she say? She's like, is that what it is? Like something like, is that what it is to you? Is that where I am to you? So it was not just that. It was also sort of like, you know, do you even know who I am? Like there was a whole, like the words she didn't say versus the words they did have her say and how she said it and everything. It just came out like, so many different ways. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. you oh, know, yeah. cause she's just like, she's talking to her girlfriend and she's just like, are you like, is this what you think of me? Is this what, what is going on here? You know, like all of these kind of things are just said with this one sentence and yeah. It just felt like such a slap in the face to like all of this, like strength that she's gotten all of this confidence that she's gotten so far and for Rafi to just say that like that you know you could really seven was really taken aback and jerry ryan just really portrays not just the confidence we've been seeing but just that immediately like gut punch she gets right there yeah yeah she did and you know i know it's like all like michelle hurt also played it well that she didn't seem like she thought that what she how she said what she said or what she said was bad like because she just didn't realize it because that's you know we kind of find we kind of come up with it in a few a couple scenes ahead where seven is like telling her that she's manipulative and then she realizes she is and it's really kind of interesting because she just always just assumes that oh yeah she must be right everything's fine because people go along with what she has them do and it's she doesn't realize it's because she you know guilts them into things or whatever until later so you know it's i i don't know i i think they're both really they're both really great and there's not like definitely the acting is show in this show whether there's good episodes or not there's everyone is still like on the top of their game in this show oh absolutely like even any of the criticisms that we've had about the show i I don't think we've ever been like well i don't really like the way that this actor portrayed this part or or i don't think this actor is doing a good job i think you know we we might have issues with the writing or with storytelling but I, i think the performances have just been like so good and these characters now after two seasons, almost two full seasons, I mean, they, they just feel so comfortable in their own skin. It seems like, um, it's, it's really great to, to watch them. Yeah. I love, I love how you said that, that they, that they seem to feel comfortable in the skin. Like they seem to be these people. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're actually watching these people from the future 
two years in our future. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely one of the things I think that season two does better than than season one. And and it, it's sort of like a, a natural thing where like in, in the first season of any show, you know, all of the characters are finding their footing and they're finding their way and how do they react and relate to each other and um you know by season two you would hope that like now they feel comfortable and more cohesive and i i think that for sure in season two the characters do feel very cohesive they do feel comfortable and they feel comfortable with each other and it's just uh yeah it's really good all right good talk moving on (laughs) (laughs) um so uh i had to say i was kind of tired of how they kept going back to this fbi basement so in my notes um i was just amusing myself so this time i say back in the basement um and so wells is saying he has this lady who tells them when there's weird stuff going on and you know he's got his little ipad and he's like you know i see you like disappear uh appear in this uh, ray of light and then i run you against this database and guess what i found you and some of your friends crashing the party for europa <laughs> and he just wants to know why aliens want to crash the place which i think it's hilarious that that's what he says and then we have Guinan, you know trying to use her alluring wait what is she I just called her whatever, whatever they Elorian. are. Elorian. Elorian. Okay. Like, I kept wanting, I keep getting it confused with, um, um, the Voltron. Anyway, whatever. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Elora is the girl. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a similar sounding thing. It's, it's, it's similar sounding yes. for sure. Yes, yes. Okay. So, you know, she's using her sort of empathy and telepathic-y sort of ways or whatever, like her stuff that she has to kind of get under Wells' skin and be like, so why why do you think you're the best man for this job, you know? And he's just like, I'm traditional. <laughs> I have traditional ways of investigation. He's old-fashioned, that kind of thing. And, you know, and she's just like, yeah, but surely something in your life makes it this personal. And, I I, I mean, I, it's fine that they, I, I didn't necessarily need her doing this whenever we do it again, but then it's Picard later, but hey, whatever. <laughs> um, but he notices the bruise on Picard's hand and says it looks like it's from an IV. And then, you know, obviously, light bulb, he's like, okay, I'll see you later. And, you know, so he leaves. And then we have Picard uh, talking to Guinan about how if Wells stops the Europa mission, then then it'll just all be in vain that they came back in time and all this kind of stuff happens. Because it's, it's going to be their fault that it didn't work out. Which I think that would be, um, you know, that their future, their fascist future is depressing. But then knowing that you went to stop it and then come to find out it happened because of you. Like, that's even more depressing. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, so we go on to uh, the Soong's palace. I don't know. I couldn't think of a word. Um, <laughs> uh, we have Corey watching her dad's videos on this uh, computer that I don't know why she didn't use in the earlier episode to Google him on. Why she used his computers in his lab when she probably would have wanted to just be in there for a very short amount of time. Anyway. That's fine. It, and I know I said that everybody acts really well. And I I like Isa Briones. She was great at C2E2. She's adorable. Sometimes she's been really good. But I just... I, I don't really care where they've been sticking her in this season. I don't know how you all feel. It's felt like an odd development. Like, to bring her back for this role and the whole what they're doing with this version, you know, this generation of Assume. I don't know. It's been interesting. I've enjoyed Q interacting with, um, you know, Assume, but I don't know about that. This plot of the show. Yeah, that it, it's, a, it's a really interesting point that you bring up, Brooke, because... I feel like I feel like they didn't know what to do with her this season as a character because when we we see we see Soji or Dodge wait which one survived Soji Dodge <laughs> was the first okay. one we meet and then it's Dodge was the first one like we see Soji like in the first episode very briefly and um it's like I'll just stay here you know with the all Android tour of Hamilton as we go across the galaxy and, <laughs> and you guys go off and do your thing. Um, and then I think they didn't know what to do with the, with the actress, like where to put her. I totally so, forgot you were calling it Hamilton. I thought I was. I was, calling it the, yeah, I was calling it like she was in Hamilton. Uh, but like, I, yeah, I think they kind of just said, oh, I know, let's, here's a way to bring in Brent Spiner and Issa Briones and, and, and make them new characters. And okay, I, I get it. Um, I think the way that they've written it though, I don't know, it's, it is weird that she never Googled her father until five minutes ago. Uh, and had no clue, like, what he was really doing. Um, yeah, yeah. it's, he comes it's, home drunk, and then she sneaks into his lab to Google him. She's like, hmm, maybe now, after all of these years of having a mysterious genetic illness, maybe now I should Google my dad. Um, it is it is a little interesting. I, I do feel like, though, between, like, the, the, um, the, the storyline with her and then the storyline with Wells... I feel like both storylines, I'm just not sure where they're going. Like, the Wells storyline for me in this episode, I feel like it was absolutely pointless. I didn't understand the point of it. I didn't understand, unless in the next episode, maybe he's going to do some more stuff with them. I don't know. Maybe he will. And then I'd be like, okay, that's why they had to meet him, because... They needed to meet him to carry out the mission. Maybe. I don't know. But, like, as of right now, it feels pretty pointless. And I'm really not sure what Issa Briones' storyline has. 
I guess she's, I guess she exists as motivation for Adam Soong to do, you know, to be Q's bad guy um, at first so that he can preserve his, his, his legacy. Um, and then, so I, I mean, I guess she exists for that. But beyond that, it's, I don't know. You, you she could didn't have, need to be a plot device. She didn't. Mm-hmm. No, because you, you could have just shown him as being trying to create all these things, but never quite succeeding. And here comes Q with a chance for him to create a legacy. You could have done that whole storyline without creating this person to exist to only push forward the Adam Soong story, which, you know, uh, do we really need to do that to a person, to a character? Uh, It's not my favorite thing. A thing that's weird. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, so Soji and Dodge are sort of like Data's children because they were made from these synaptic particles or whatever. Right, like that... But that that doesn't mean that someone in his creator's family line would have a child that looks like that because it would almost be more likely that it would be in uh, the other guys. You know what I mean? What What is his name? Bruce Maddox. Yes, Bruce Maddox. That it, because yes. he's the one that actually created the Exactly. Robot. <laughs> exactly. Like, Soji and Dodge are creations of Bruce Maddox. Does and he you have under- photographs of all of the Soong's family line i don't understand you know what bruce maddox was so obsessed with data when we first met him in measure of a man i bet i bet he had a whole shrine in his quarters he had a dossier a data dossier i i'm telling you he probably did yeah like that made more sense because bruce maddox created them and yes, he did use stuff he learned from Data. And yes, Data is a cre- creation of a Soong. I understand that connection. But for Adam Soong, who has zero connection to anybody Bruce Maddox, like, or a, an ancestor of Bruce Maddox, to create, an, to create a person who looks exactly like Soji and Dodge is like, okay. Yeah. So you didn't know what to do with Issa Brionis is what you're telling me. Yeah, <laughs> so you made basically. This for her. Yeah, basically. And okay, sure. Data painted the this face once. Okay, mm-hmm. so maybe Bruce Maddox pulled this face out of Data's memory bank, but from what we know, he even though he is a calculator, I was going to say computer. Um <laughs> Even though he, you know, is is a robot and can do all of these things, it doesn't necessarily mean that he had all of what everybody in his entire ancestry looked like. Right, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's a little bit, well, it's kind of also like, I, I know we're sort of, we're not really in, this, in, the, in the breakdown right now, but we're... It wouldn't I, I be us also, if we didn't derail. That, very <laughs> true. But we are still talking about the show, so that is also a good thing. Um, I also feel like it's kind of what they've done with Evan Evagora this season. I mean, I mean, he has been majorly sidelined. I mean, and he was sidelined in season one, too. 
I don't understand why they created this really interesting, complex character played by such a talented and charming person to then just sideline him. It's so early in the season. Well, at, and least, then, at least with him, it's like he got this death and it made us all sad. And, you know, and it's like then we have the reason why we see him coming back is because it's like Rafi's trauma where where we have like Issa Brown is just being shoved into this part so she has something to do that's not it's not worthy of her talent. No, I, I totally agree with that. Whereas uh, Evan Evagoras yeah. is just it's not that it's not worthy, it's just really minuscule. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to jump jump ahead, but like the whole idea of like being trapped in the past like all of our characters were shown in this seat in this episode to be trapped in the past one way or the other but i don't know how um corey like how this character is trapping soon in the past mm-hmm. yeah like, I, right. I, I don't hughes just says like all humans are stuck in the past and so when i rewatched it i kept looking for this how is corey trapping soon in the past and i don't like if if all the other characters were shown being stuck in the past this whole season you know with rafi's every time like she's happy about something there's you know elnor popping up in this shadowy you know shocking image and she's upset like we know she's stuck in the past all these flashbacks of picard he's stuck in the past but i don't know like is soon stuck in the past for whatever reason. And is this why she was brought in as this character? If so, they didn't do a good job of telling that. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. That If, yeah. The only thing that he could make him stuck in the past is like, oh, he had like tried to create all these other children before her. And so he kept doing it. And then he thought he was a failure, and and he got his you know license revoked and all those kinds of things. So he, so he just keeps harkening back to being a failure, even though she survived. But also he can't really tell anybody because then he'd have to tell them that he genetically modified cells and things and made a human when they're not supposed to be doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so he's still sort of like a failure. So maybe. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of dots to connect on your own. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that that's a lot of sort of fill in the blanks that we have to do if if that's what is meant to be happening. And, and I'll say this about this season: it's it's not very fill in the blank. This season really beats you over head, the head with what it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And so time and love and being stuck in the past. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and what a lot of uh, I, I read some some I, I read an article from Den of Geek, which is a real a really great w- website for like the like when you want to figure out Easter eggs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, have one there an Easter egg uh, of theirs, a, an Easter egg article of theirs up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I like Den of Geek for a lot of uh, and and not just for Picard, but for like a lot of different shows and franchises. But you know, they they drew a, a parallel to to something that I did also, and I think a lot of Trek fans did was when when they were talking about humans 
being stuck in the past, I immediately thought of uh, the pilot from Deep Space Nine, where mm. um, where Ben Sisko meets um, the prophets. Well, the Bajorans call them the prophets, and and they're you know he's explaining the concept of linear time to them. They don't understand linear time, and then they keep bringing him back to the moment where he's trying to save his wife um, at, at, at the battle at, at Wolf 359. And they keep asking him, well, then if you, if time is linear, why do you exist here? And, and he's like, well, I, I, you know, he, he keeps telling them, I don't want to be here, but you exist here and they don't understand it. And so it, it makes him realize that he's never moved on. He's living in the past. He's, forever stuck in that moment, unable to save Jennifer. And, um, I mean, it's not hard to draw that line. If you've watched enough Star Trek, you, you know, you're going to see a lot of those same themes pop up, but, um, and, and so, yeah, I get it. Like we are all living in the past, even, even, you know, in real life, there many of us live in a moment that's in the past that we're stuck there for whatever reason. And, and this season has definitely talked about that quite a bit. And, um, and even, you know, Q says it, and, and that's supposed to be, I guess, the key to understanding all of this. But um, but even Agent Wells is stuck in the past. He's living in that moment when he ran into those Vulcans. It's been the driving force in his life ever since. They're really not going easy with these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know. Depression is terrible, and I don't want to think about it when I'm watching my TV shows because I'm trying to hide from it by watching my TV shows. And yes, I don't <laughs> want to be reminded that I'm stuck in the past because it's part of my depression it's and anxiety. Part of the problem. Thank you. <laughs> I'm aware I'm stuck in the past. You don't need to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so <laughs> back to the actual notes here we go so like i said Corey's is watching these videos blah 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 then she gets these like virtual reality glasses out or something and she can virtually see like his office from the video but it's weird because they're kind of in this cabinet almost like she's hiding them but why is she just now doing this is this something that she's had for a long time like none of this makes sense to me <laughs> no Anyway, so then she's, like, looking around, and then she swirls around, and there's Q. And he's telling her how he's, like, some, like, little bit of code or something or a virus or something that's been waiting in there for her to show up. And, you know, kind of, like, dancing around the fact that she was genetically engineered and saying things like, Sorry, the others didn't survive. And then he's all like, Well, I'm going to sing you your key to survival. And, of course, like, it's ridiculous. Here we go with my Star Wars reference. So, it's like, for me, John Delancey being Q and just, like, chewing on the scenery is, like, one of my most favorite things, just, like, watching. Don't anybody get mad. The prequels... And having Ian McDermott be Palpatine chewing the scenery. Like, I love both of them. They're doing it different ways. But I just love, 
it doesn't matter what's going on in either one of those things when both when one or the other one is is just like being just completely sort of over the top and in some other realm than everybody else and i love it i can see that i totally see what you're saying um that's a really great that's a really great comparison actually and i i do think he does a really great job whether he's supposed to be like the 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 sith emperor or he's or he's the, the not the Sith Emperor, whether he's like the Sith Lord or he's like Palpatine the the politician, I think he chews on the scenery in different ways in those, right? Mm-hmm. But um I think that's a really good observation. I think uh, they're both really good character actors. And like 'cause in like John Delancey when he plays Q, he's sort of in the middle of how Ian McDermott's characterizations are. Like, mm-hmm. he's sort of in the middle, but he's, it's not like when you usually think of something like, oh, in the middle, it's just, meh. It's just not, like, completely crazy or, like, but he's great. Um. <laughs> well, and this cue is just a, just a bit more unhinged than we're used to seeing. Yep. And I re- John Delancey just really plays that up so well. And I could just watch this cue chew scenes all day long. Yes, yeah. And it's like, and it's a, because other people would get... Would probably have, if they played this character and then had to play him now where he's dying and he's uh, even more, like, unhinged, like you said, they would play him, it would, Jim Carrey could not play this part. You know what I mean? Like, because Mm -hmm. some people would push it way too far, whereas he's still, like, very there and very, like, the way he plays it. Um... It's like, do do you want John Lithgow chewing on the scenery, yeah. or do you want Jack Black chewing on the yeah. scenery? Yeah, yeah, You're you're gonna get scenery chewing, but it's what level do you want? And, right. And I don't think those those actors are interchangeable. Like, no, they you you would not cast Jack Black in a role that John Lithgow should be playing. You know what I mean? Right. They have different strengths, but um, you will get scenery chewing. It just depends on what level you want. Jack Black. Just for a second, Jack Black can do, like, drama and stuff, but he can't do it to the level that he does, like, the crazy antics. For sure. He's more like the, like, the calm side, like the straight man kind of guy. Mm -hmm. That's fine. We digress. (laughs) (laughs) Q tells Corey that, you know, I'm going to send you your key to survive, you know, and... Then she gets this ding on her phone, and she takes off the the glasses and looks down, and it says, you have a package in the airlock. She gets it out. It's one of those files with the blue liquid in it, like he had given Adam soon before, and this time it has a little tag on it that just says, freedom. He knows what's going to push people's buttons. (laughs) Of course Q is going to put a little flag that's in freedom. Like, that was just so cute. It's like, sometimes... I think, well, wouldn't it, like, spray out, like, confetti or something? And then it's like, no, 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 no. He only he only relegates that kind of, like, annoyance to Picard. <laughs> you know, making him clean up confetti. Just always think about him with, like, the mariachi band thing. Anyway. That's <laughs> so cute. I, I really love that that whole that that scene at the end of that episode where Q gets his powers back and he's he's just the mariachi band God. playing a trumpet and just the look on Picard's face is just like really yeah <laughs> really yeah and I mean now he's trying so hard 
just to use any power at all. So, you know, glitter or confetti or something might have been too much for him. So when we go back to Seven and Rafi going to try to find Agnes, and here they're talking more about, you know, like it's after she had told the the bar proprietor that she was Agnes's sister and all that, and she's like, you know, it's now that it's basically now that it's easy for her to talk to other humans and not feel like they're scared of her, she can read everyone and use that to her advantage. She's like, could read him like a map. <laughs> um, and they're going to find, and you know, they're going to find her, and they come around the corner, and laying amongst the trash is the ginger that uh, Agnes had met at the bar and left with. But uh, he's dead. Um, seven figures. She tried to assimilate him, but because she couldn't assimilate him just yet she was still trying to feel something and she was using this guy to like feel something and then that didn't give her the kind of emotion the power or whatever it was that she wanted so she just killed him so eh, whatever <laughs> um and so Rafi's like oh my gosh like that's so spot on like you knew exactly like she was excited because maybe they'll be able to find her because seven is uh can understand what she's thinking and well of course she doesn't realize again that this is probably not the best thing to stay the seven you know like you know oh yeah thanks for reminding me that I'm defective oh, yeah. said, that quote a little less happy I am defective yes oh. yes and it's like you know, like, she, even though she is dealing better with other humans around, um, whether they were in their own time period in the other, in this uh, fascist universe, or in 2024, because she doesn't have the implants, you know, she's dealing better with them, but somehow her and her girlfriend's relationship is is fracturing more because, you know, it's like Rafi doesn't see, Rafi doesn't see that how happy and confident and everything that Seven is, because she just assumes that, that, that Seven was always confident enough because she just, you know, she knew everything and she said whatever she wanted to say, you know, like, so it wasn't, I feel like to Rafi, she didn't realize that was that that there's a an actual change going on inside of Seven, whereas Seven feels that, and it hurts when the closest you know your closest person to you is like, oh yeah, whatever, that's fine, instead of actually, you know, feeling having empathy and feeling what's. Anyway, I, yeah, there, just this very short scene, there were a lot of emotions in it. I just love how everybody gets to hear, uh, little aspects into my life just <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think it shows that, um, I think it shows also too that like 
Raffi and Seven have a very complicated relationship. I mean, they clearly care about each other. Um, I would I would go so far to say I think they even love each other, but they also have a hard time sort of um, dealing with the truth about each other. And I think that this episode really brought that out where, uh, where like seven feels like, you know, do you only see the Borg part of me because that's her own insecurity. And then she tells Raffi you're manipulative and Raffi is forced to admit that she knows that she's manipulative. She knows that she is, but she doesn't, I don't think she knows how to not be manipulative. And so, you know, and then we get that really great flashback that I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit um, of, of her with um, Elnor and her like emotionally manipulating him into, into staying and going into Starfleet rather than going back to the co-op Malat. So I, I think, it, it's a really great scene because it does it does show that like yeah you can love somebody and you can love each other but you can also see the bad in each other or the not great qualities in each other. It doesn't mean you have to like break up or anything. It just means that it's healthy to talk about those things. Yeah, and it's and it's also healthy to tell your partner what might be bothering you. So you know if they're like, hey, you're you're a Borg. You're still the same, even though you feel different. You're still a Borg, right? You know, maybe say, hey, I, I, you know, like she said, I don't have the implants anymore. I'm really not a Borg anymore. I just can remember some of this stuff, but I can't access any of it. So maybe you should be a little more gentler and kinder with me, <laughs> you know, because like if she didn't say anything, that would have been terrible. Um, but of course, I guess Rafi doesn't really have people come back at her with things. She, listen, she's kind of like Picard. I feel like, I just thought of this, that she's kind of like Picard where like, you know, he had the sheer fucking hubris to ask for a, you know, a crew and a ship and stuff last season because he just didn't have people say no. Well, like this upcoming scene which you know it's a little further down wherever um we see this flashback with Elnor that she guilts people and manipulates people into doing whatever she wants so she doesn't usually have backlash either you know and we kind of saw her have some backlash with her son that he didn't want to see her any again you know like what are you doing here kind of thing it's so funny because you know it's like I guess like Maybe that's why sometimes her and Picard butt heads is because they're they're similar in that kind of way. They get their way different ways, probably because he's, yeah. he's a white man. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I think her and Picard are a lot alike. I think that's I think that's very intuitive what you just said. Um because even in, in season one of Picard, I mean Troy called him out on like you know, oh, you think you could just order everybody around all the time? And a lot of people called Picard out, right? Like when he went to that admiral and was like, oh, I need a ship and I need a crew and you could just give those to me. And she was like, the sheer fucking hubris and all that. Um, people are, you definitely call him out on his, on his bullshit. Yeah. And we're just now seeing Rafi get called out on hers, I feel like. Um, I mean, not, you know, 
whole thing with Luz and Elnor was tragic. And the fact that, you know, she couldn't mend things with her son and all that kind of thing. Um, but also she, she, she needs to kind of take responsibility for her parts in these things happening. I have a question about how you all felt about the Rocky seven scenes, because I felt that I really loved this scene. I loved, um, from like seven being triggered by the, the lithium ions to that quote about being defective. Like I really liked this scene, but I felt like the rest of the, the Rocky seven scenes, there was something just off about them. And I don't know if it was the editing or the pacing. Um, and I'm just wondering if you all picked up on that too, or maybe my big bone to pick was the, the transition awkwardness of the flashback later on. Yeah, maybe. Um, I feel like maybe I would have noticed that more if, if there wasn't already the whole Corey and Wells awkwardness, why mm -hmm. those things were in there. Um, but I can kind of see that it... Yeah, I, I, I see what you're talking about. Um, I think uh, I think the scenes between Raffi and Seven is stuff that's been kind of a long time coming. Like, they just they sort of hint at, like, at the beginning of the, of the season that, like, not everything is great in paradise. Like, they're both trying to live their independent lives but still be together. And I don't think that that always... that that's working out so well for both of them. And I think it all comes to a head through like all of these like different sets of circumstances that they're living through right now. And it, there's a lot of things going on in some of these scenes and nothing going on in other ones. And it's just sort of weird. Um, we had, uh, Nicola mentioned the battery, the whole thing with the battery. Um, we're, we were almost to that part. Like, uh, they, you know, once Seven says Raffi's manipulative, then she turns around and she sees the gender cell phone on the ground, and they analyze it and figure out that the metals and the battery are what's helping Borgify Agnes. And she talks about how she remembers, like, the smell and the taste of this this metal because they use it and she said she was six and then of course I had to t do a bad joke and wrote and wrote after that now she's seven <laughs> I know I'm, I'm terrible Annika seven shots <laughs> yes Annika seven shots um and you know like she just remember she can remember that and like it was so obviously traumatic but it's, I mean, you know, that's like kind of one of her pieces of being human is being able to remember that. Because whenever, you know, like you probably remember if you had, I don't know, if you had a grandparent you were close to pass away when you were a kid, you can probably still smell, remember what it smelled like in the funeral home or whatever, or you know, when you had to move away from your best friend, you could still, like, remember the song that was playing on the radio as you drove away and waved goodbye, and I'm going to stop talking about depressing things now. But, 
when you're when you're young, I mean, just also when you're old, because that kind of it always leaves an impression. But I think you know something like something traumatic leaves like such a deep impression on you that just lasts for your whole lifetime. And so this is sort of like part of Seven's being in the past, like her human being in the pastness. <laughs> um, because it just totally like took her back to that. And, you know, and it, 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 it kind of like caused this reaction. It was, it, it, it literally like knocked her on her feet at first. Uh, but then she was okay when she realized what was going on. But, you know, it was very, like, a very visceral kind of thing to her. And, um, I don't know. I just, I feel like, yeah, uh, sure, humans do live in the past. But also, if it's things that happened when you were young, like with Wells and it's, or, or Picard with his mom getting locked away or whatever, like, it's extra traumatic and that's things that you'll never forget about and there's me going too deep into my psyche again let me let me re, let me gather myself up and go back um so after she so after seven kind of like you know she sort of stumbles and everything and Rafi's worried about her then they hear this noise and they follow it and they find Agnes and she's getting these medals from car batteries and you know they have sort of a tussle and stuff and she grabs Rafi by the throat and holds her up in the air for a long time and she's knocked seven to the ground so she can't really get up and um the Agnes part of this Borg Agnes uh, takes over and just goes, no! And then, like, drops her and leaves. Because, as we find, as we know, and then it's reiterated later, Borgs don't show mercy. So it must have been Agnes. So, <laughs> there's still hope for her. Uh, anyway, does anybody have anything to say? Because I just sort of went off on a tangent about being traumatized as a child. And, and I'm just feeling a little vulnerable right now. <laughs> Can we all just say that Allison Pill does a phenomenal job as Evil Queen and looks amazing in that dress? Oh, I yeah, I want to, yes. to cosplay like the torn up like dress, but like this part where like she's still got like part of one of her long sleeves hanging off, not like by the time she shows up in the very end where she sort of ripped them off or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I like that she's not, like, she is, uh, she's definitely presenting herself in a different manner. You know, like, her, her posture is different, and the way she's speaking is different and everything, because she is possessed by this Borg Queen, and it's, it's, and it's not over the top or anything, it's, it's like you sit there and you're like, wait a minute, this is the same person, but she's like somebody else. And I love it when someone is playing like they're someone else and it just is so seamless. Like it was, it's like, it's really that they're possessed by that person or whatever. Like she, yeah, she was great and looked awesome. She had the boots on with the dress. It's great. <laughs> <sighs> okay. I'm doing too much talking. 
you all have to talk more. No. <laughs> you know, not related at all, but if you have watched Moon Knight at all, Oscar Isaac does a great job of switching back and forth between these personalities and the main character. And it, it really reminds me of how, like, Allison Pill has just, like, especially in the one scene or earlier on when she's going into the bored mind of just switching back between Gerardi to the queen. Like, she does those shifts so well. And just, and even just, like, Agnes's different emotions, too. Like, she does, like, a whole, she, like, runs a whole gamut of things there in that scene. Like, it is a, it is a, like, tour de force of acting in that scene, for sure. I just love her, like, clomping around, like, taking all these car batteries, and she's just been eating them, and now we're just going to take Rafi, and then, you know, Gerardi shows back up, and, uh, yeah, it, it was a good scene. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, so, back in the basement, um, Wells comes back because he's done some digging, and he realizes Picard was in the same clinic that Rios had been at, because he's like, you know, I remember something about a clinic. Oh, wait, yes, your friend here that you were sneaking into the ball with was at a clinic and then got arrested because he has no, you know, identification. Because he's an alien. <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> um... He might as well. Um, but he's got, like, the paperwork from where he got, you know, uh, taken to the ICE facility and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, they actually did a quite a report on him, considering they probably just were going to let him disappear. Quote, unquote. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, it's surprising there would be that much paperwork involved. <laughs> like, if they're just going to, like, take him over to Mexico because he happens to speak Spanish, like, there's a surprisingly amount of paperwork there. Yeah, like, you know, you wouldn't even think that he would even get a manila folder if they were just going to go drop him off in the desert in the next country over. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> Oh, so he has Picard read this, like, I wrote testimony because I can't remember what word he said, but, like, whatever he said, but it does, I don't think that's exactly what Rio said. Like, when did he say this bit? To, anyway, whatever, that's fine. Um, and he's explaining about how there were going across time and everything in this spaceship with his friends and a cybernetic killing machine queen and <laughs> crusty old admiral, which I thought was really funny. And that's when he called the guard. <laughs> that was great. I really enjoyed that. The crusty old admiral. I enjoyed that. <laughs> <clears throat> it was pretty great. Um, before he gets into the, Picard reads off the statement though Agent Wells says something and then Guinan has this perfect reaction Agent Wells goes obsession is only obsession until it pays off then it's diligence and that felt like such one of those statements it's like trying to sound really smart but really doesn't have much there because <laughs> Guinan's reaction is like what? Yeah 
<laughs> that was true. She's just like, what, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, it also is sort of like justification for just doing anything creepy because it's like, I'm just being diligent. And, and Wells definitely does give off creepy vibes. He's sort of like the Wish.com version of, like, Fox Mulder. Okay, I and was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say that... And I love Fox Mulder. I, <laughs> yes, I love the X-Files, but I did not need scenes from the X-Files shoved into my Star Trek. <laughs> you know what just would have... The only thing that would have made this any more X-Files would have been if he had a partner come in who was, like, <laughs> a version of Scully... And been like, Wells, I told you aliens don't exist. <laughs> and been like, stop like, trying to copy the X-Files. Like, if, um, so, you know, Wells is like, uh, the lab is testing this. And it was his communicator. And he's like, mm, they're going to find out it's alien technology. And then he tells young Guinan to leave with his lady fed friend. If she had been like, what, you think they're aliens again? Like, I think I might have liked that sort of joke right in there. Even just red hair. <laughs> right? Like a, a version of Dana Scully. Uh-huh. <laughs> Brightest red hair have you ever seen. <laughs> I mean, we're talking Gates McFadden red hair. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. sure. So, we end up on the La Serena and Ricardo is playing around and Teresa is very worried that he's going to break something. Uh, Rios is like, eh, it's powered down. Don't worry about it. He can't break anything. Um, and, you know, I guess to uh, distract Ricardo um, and maybe even Teresa, uh, he asks if they're hungry and takes them over to the replicator um, where Ricardo asks for four cakes. Like any nine-year-old would do. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, he gets four pieces, large pieces of cake, though. Um, you know, because I guess to the replicator, pieces of cake and actual <laughs> cakes are the same thing. Whatever. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and he gets super excited, and they, you know, go and sit them all on the table for him. And so then... <laughs> Teresa and Rios have this talk. You know, she wants him to tell her more about himself. You know, because he's going to leave and maybe at least she should know something important about him. And the way she frames it is, imagine we've been married for 10 years. And he's just like, and I love it because they do all of this in Spanish. And he's like, uh, whoa. (laughs) And you know, she's like, oh, you know, we're going on this holiday trip to family and we're in the car and I think that you are cheating on me with someone from work. And she just goes on this whole long thing and she's like, and what she wants to hear from him right now is something that this husband of 10 years would tell her that would, you know, make her cry something she didn't know and it would make her cry and you know ultimately bring them back together kind of thing <laughs> and he's I like, found that speech so romantic like <laughs> he's like he's like is this, is, is this your idea of romance or something and I'm like I just 
I, I, if either one of you liked this scene, that's fine. I just thought it was so stupid. I don't care anything about them being together. Teresa I, is I amazing. Think the romance is really cute. Like I, and it's as cute as the romance between. Um, and I think of it, Kirk and the uh, the ocean, the whale doctor. They have better names. Oh than yeah, yeah, Jillian. Yeah, like to me, it's that cute level of cute, and you know, having the kid there and like ordering four cakes. Uh, I just I love it for its cutesy, save the whale Star Trek callbacks. Like, it's a little too cheesy for me. I don't know. That's fine. I'm I'm glad that you like it. Because you just yeah, sound I... delighted, and that <laughs> makes me like it better that you're delighted. This season has very, um, very forcefully reminded you that Star Trek IV The Voyage Home exists, and they make a lot of callbacks to it. I mean, to the point of even having Kirk Thatcher come back to play the punk on the bus. I mean, playing the very same song and probably the same (laughs) boombox. I love that you bring it up every episode, and it's amazing. Uh, So, because Picard has really been like um, just throwing out all of these little Easter eggs about Star Trek for the voyage home today. I watched Star Trek for the voyage home. Um, I also watched Star Trek, the motion picture, the director's edition, which is on Paramount plus, and it's been remastered. It, side note, that film being remastered is gorgeous. I mean, it Ooh. is beautiful. The effects I mean, the film still has its problems, and it wasn't the best film that should have been the first in the series. I, I think a lot of people agree Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, should have been the first movie. But having said that, the motion picture, I think it did try to take a big bite out of the Star Wars um, box office, because it came out, like I, I think, the same year or a year after. Um, but... Um, it's gorgeous. It's 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 remastered. It's the director's edition. It's just beautiful. So if if you haven't seen Motion Picture in a while and you have Paramount Plus, which I a lot of people probably do if you're if you're watching Picard, absolutely check out uh, Motion Picture because it's just beautiful. But they're, they're um, your favorite uniforms I, too, right? Wrath of Khan are my favorite. Wrath uniforms. of Khan's favorite uniforms. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, can't I remember. I knew it was early on. Sorry. No, no, that's, in that's the quite all right. Early on in the movies. Yeah, yeah, the, the, those are my favorite uniforms. I love the, I love the little bib that opens up. Like I imagine, like if you're having a little bit of a messy dinner, you could just open up your uniform and there's your bib, and you don't spill anything <laughs> on the out. You could just close it up. Um, that's how, at least that's what I would use it for. I don't know what it's actually meant to do, but that's what I would use it for. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the, I think they absolutely the sort of. Um, um, love story, quote-unquote, between Rios and Teresa absolutely mirrors the one between Kirk and and Jillian uh, from, from Voyage Home. And what I kind of love about that is that, like, Jillian does go to the future with them, um, but when they get there, she, like, totally is, like, whatever with Kirk. She's like, oh, yeah, um, I, I'm a science officer now, and I gotta learn a lot of stuff, so Bye. And like she just leaves him, which is just great because she doesn't have time for bullshit romance with Kirk right now. She's got to go be in the starship. So I kind of 
I kind of am thinking maybe they'll do the same thing with, with Teresa. Not necessarily that she'll go in the future with him, but kind of like what you were saying last week, Brooke, about how she might be the one to say to, to Rios, listen, I want to be with you, but if you're not going to stay here, I'm not going to go into the future, so bye. Like, I kind of feel like they could be heading in that direction. If they are, I think that that's great. Um, I don't know. I find it cute. I think it's, I think it's, it's cute. Their, their, their little love story. But I, I totally appreciate that. It's just, it's just not your thing. Okay. All right. You both think it's cute. It's fine. Yeah, no, no. It's totally, it, you know what? You, you, you don't have to love everything. And that's totally I, fine. <laughs> I feel like it wouldn't have bothered me so much if whenever he goes to tell her this bit, he's like, the moment I fell for you, and I'm like, oh, no, see, that just sounds like a line. That doesn't sound like he was going to really tell her what it was going to be. And I'm like, don't do that. Yeah, but we don't get the full quote because the kid's tummy hurts because he ate four cakes. Yeah, her <laughs> cock block son is like, oh, he, my tummy hurts. He must have only Go eaten ahead. three cakes because there was still one piece of cake on the table. I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> what I, was the cake that was left? I, I saw... um. I saw a funny, I, I saw a video where they said maybe the, maybe the problem is that the cake on La Serena just isn't good because in the first season, if you remember, there was a thing where Agnes ate like a bunch of cake. She, she like replicated a bunch of cake on, on La Serena, ate it and I got sick from it. About but that. she ate, she, but like she, I did too until I was reminded of it by the video, but like she, she just ate a lot of it. And I'm like, and so they were like, maybe there's something wrong with the replicator. It just, it makes bad cake. If they make, <laughs> if they make alcohol that's not alcoholic, why don't they make cake that doesn't have, that tastes like cake, but it doesn't have like the real side effects of if you eat that much sugar or whatever and get sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess in theory, like the replicator does make that kind of cake or it does, it makes those kinds of foods. Like it tastes just like, like the food that you want it to be, but it doesn't actually like, it's not made with real sugar and it's supposedly like much healthier for you. But also I don't think you're supposed to eat four slices four very large slices of cake in one sitting, no matter what it's made of. I'll eat four slices of cake in one sitting if I want well, you to. Know, thank you very much. And, and you know what? And who am I to judge anybody? Certainly I would not. But I, I mean... I yeah. ate a pint well, of ice cream for dinner the other night, so... Uh, who hasn't at one point in the... Or several times? Who hasn't? Side note, it's probably also why I... Had wrote eye roll and barf in this scene because I was just like, oh, I can't take this. Uh, just yeah, I'm bitter. <laughs> you, you, were bitter kid, you were bitter that the kid was like, my tummy hurts, poser. I can eat those four <laughs> slices of cake. Yes. I can, I can hold my cake. <laughs> I can hold my cake. Oh my god, that's kid's amazing. a fucking poser, man. Um, you eat cake. <laughs> but so yes, we do have Ricardo who's. You know, like, uh, barges in while Rios is trying to tell her what this thing that'll make her cry or whatever. And, um, you know, feels awful for the cake or whatever. But Teresa turns back around real quick and, you know, kisses Rios. But, I mean, who am I to say that I wouldn't do that? Because, look at him. Uh, <laughs> she's just getting her boxes ticked. Yes. I mean, that's all she's doing. <laughs> He's ticking those boxes. Uh, and I, we 
Well, I have to explain this to Nicola because uh, she said that she had listened to some of our episodes this season, so she probably heard me say that. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Anyway, okay. Uh, <clears throat> so here's where I start to get a little uh, fancy. I don't know with the with the things about this basement. Uh, I wrote basement diaries, day four hundred and thirty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So Wells is still asking Picard what he wants to do with the Europa mission, and he's like, "I know I'm outsmarted. You guys are way more advanced. You can speak our language, and you can fly here, and you can do all of this stuff. But I, you know, I can't. I can't let this happen. You know, and." He's, like, trying to be threatening, and, I mean, I don't know why, I, I I guess it was a choice, but, you know, Patrick Stewart, he sort of looked like he might have been threatened whenever <laughs> Wells is like, yeah, you know, if the other guys came down here, they'd probably take you back somewhere and, you know, cut you into pieces kind of thing. <laughs> and he actually, I'm like... I don't know that Picard would have been threatened by that. <laughs> he's been turned into a Borg. And now he's a robot. <laughs> well, the guy gives him like a, it's a, the content of his scary bad guy speech is good, but he doesn't really pull it off. And for Picard to be like, you know, looking worried, I don't know. That part didn't ring true for me. Yeah, me either. Because it's like, it's like he's been practicing in front of his mirror to be able to say that kind of thing to people, but then still flubs it up like I would do. Yeah, he must have, like, been binging episodes of, like, the X-Files, like, trying to pick up Fox Mulder's character and, like, maybe a little Mitch Pelagi in there, too, like, to really hone this, like, I've caught the alien finally, here's my bad guy speech. I mean... If that's what he was going for, he <laughs> he got it because you know oh. <laughs> if you've watched enough X Files, you know that Falks Mulder is kind of bumbling, r- wrinkled suit guy. And then you're like, I thought he was supposed to be like the suave, wonderful like FBI agent. No, no, he's not. So, uh, yeah, and he even even when he threatens like. <laughs> That the other ones will dissect him. He said, you're nothing but a pig in a jar. Like, what? <laughs> that didn't make much sense. <laughs> no, like, it was such a corny line. <laughs> oh, uh, he's like, <laughs> he's been, he's been watching Dixon Hill adaptations on Netflix or something. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Thank you for laughing at that. Um, is a pig in a jar a very common thing? Like, why is a pig in a jar the thing he says? I don't know. Like, I mean, <laughs> there's, like, pickled pig's feet. I mean, you know, I live in the South, but it's not anything I've ever gotten close to, really. Uh, <laughs> but, like, not, like, a whole pig? So, I don't know. Unless it's, like, a baby pig, which, I, it, I don't know. I don't even want to think about it anymore. <laughs> Um, so we switched to another interrogation room and the lady fed brings in dun 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 someone in an FBI jacket who is Q of course Um, and there's a whole thing about oh it's you and then she's just like 
you're the one I summoned? And he's like, what do you mean? And, um, let me, let me sort of read here what I have. Cause I wrote, they talk. He's annoying that she summoned him. Being an empath, she knows he's dying. They're both surprised and confused that he's not immortal, as, as Im- Im- immortal as they both once thought. There's really nothing of value to the actual story here, but as always, John Lancey chooses the scenery. <laughs> because I, I did not care that this scene was in this, but he, when he plays this character, he's so engaging that it didn't matter what he was saying. He could have been reading entries out of a dictionary, the phone book, that kind of thing, and it would have still been as engaging. Yeah, he really does have some good quotes in this scene. Yeah. Like the, I wrote the, the trap is immaterial, it's the escape that counts. Yes. Like that's a, that's a cue line that will give you chills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, I mean, in that, pro, you know, we, they talk about it later, so it's like, that'll probably come up, actually, something, but it's like, mm-hmm. I didn't really, it, it didn't seem that it needed to be needed in this episode, but I would be sad if it wasn't there. Like, mm-hmm. just because... Just because his his performance is always so great that, you know, it wouldn't have mattered if we saw the next scene that's coming up uh, or not. <laughs> um, anyway, so, you know, they're kind of talking. Um, and then Guinan realizes that Q was just trying to feel something. So then we, here we have another, uh, another thread that's common in this because we had you know Agnes Borg um Dr. Borg I don't know I gotta figure out a good name for her um Dr. Borg <laughs> I like Dr. Paging Borg. Dr. Borg. Dr. Borg okay <laughs> so <laughs> um Borg Gerardi yeah Dr. Borg's the best isn't it I I if you don't call her that again, I will quit this podcast. You must call her Dr. Okay. Borg so, all the time now. <laughs> okay, fine. So, Dr. Borg, <laughs> you know, was trying to feel something and she couldn't because she didn't have enough uh, Borgness to her or whatever to get to get that sort of feeling back. Because, you know, it's like, oh, she broke the window. Oh, she caught, you know, oh, she sort of felt something for like a second. You know, and then she took this guy, and and then she killed him, and, you know, she's not really feeling it yet, and she's trying to really grow her Borgness. Um, but, uh, anyway, so I just thought that was, uh, interesting, because I actually wrote, see the theme here? <laughs> anyway, so, you know, uh, young guy, and just like... You're just trying to feel something. That's what all this is about. Oh, my goodness. You know, and you're dying, whatever. And he's just like, yeah, I'm I'm going. And I, fortunately, I'll have to see you again sometime kind of thing. And then he's just like, humans, they're all trapped in the past. And then leaves. <laughs> and So, like, this, this also is, this is also very interesting to me because last week we had talked about the, 
the Wells character that, that um, when they in- introduced him and we had said that it's the same actor who played Duquesne in the uh, Voyager episode Relativity and he was on a Starfleet ship that was basically like the time police, right? So when, when Q said that humans are trapped in the past, I felt like, oh, I felt like, oh, is this like a reference to, is this like confirmation that this is the same character? Has he been trapped in the past somehow? Like, I, I, I thought that that's what was being said here for like a minute, but then when the episode went on, yeah, I kind of feel like it's my Mephisto. And I'm not the only person that, like, uh, thought this. Like, a lot of fans thought, like, oh, like, this is, this can't be just a coincidence. Like, this is, this has to be, like, the same guy. And, um, you know, why, why else would he be here? Why else would this actor be here if it wasn't for, you know, him playing this same character and he's in the past and blah, blah, blah. But I, I'm... I, I don't think, at least the way, that, the way that this episode ends, it's not, it's not made clear that it's him. They don't, apparently, uh, apparently it's not him, which is I kind don't of a, think it's him. No, it's, it, it, it's a little bit of a bummer, I, I'm, I must admit, but you know, it's okay. You have a theory, it doesn't pan out. It's all, it's all good. But, um, I, I did for a second think like, oh, th- this is co- confirmation it's the guy and he's trapped in the past, but then the whole backstory with him seeing the Vulcans as a kid and being terrified like that, then doesn't make any sense with that theory. So I don't think it's him now. What <laughs> I don't understand is, is why on like all of these articles and things when they're talking about the Easter eggs and they're like, Oh, well, I guess it's not, he's not even his ancestor. Like, do they not understand how families work that, you know, he could be related to, like, a female so then they could have different names? I mean, that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It'd be nice if there was some sort of callback to, you know, that character. Mm-hmm. Because, like, why else would you cast the same actor in this sort of, like, show that's going to feature time travel so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, on this uh, uh, Dead of Geek article, let me see. What did it say? It was talking about Wells. It says, for the first time, Jay Carnes' new FBI character's name is spoken out loud when Picard says, Wells, isn't it? This means the character's name is not Duquesne, meaning that he's probably not an ancestor of the character Jay Carnes played in the Voyager episode, Relativity, which, you know, we just talked about that. But naming this character Wells is a double reference to H.G. Wells, the writer of the famous The Time Machine, but also the fact that Jay Carnes played an FBI agent in 12 Monkeys named Gale who was obsessed with H.G. Wells. And it was... You've seen it? So much that the actual time-traveling characters in the show teased him about it. In the movie. Or, yeah, the show. It was the show. Um, that he was in, not in the movie. Anyway, whatever. Uh, and I'm like, that's, uh, that's kind of fun. But also, names, are d- anyway. Oh, and I'm knocking over things, because I'm just like, people don't understand how names work. Um, <laughs> it was a red herring of an Easter egg. And also, why does he play so many FBI agents? 
he's an FBI. So people just have that actor. look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some actors, right, that you know when they show up in a, in a movie or a show, you're like, well, they're either the cop or the bad guy. Like, they, they, that's just who they always play. <laughs> it makes me think of, uh, I can't think of the actor that played John Locke on Lost, but he played, like, seven different episodes of X-Files, but all different FBI agents. And he's always just like, he's just an FBI agent. And then he shows up on an ex- a sort of next generation and it's like, oh, this is pretty much just an FBI agent. Ah, great. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, just another FBI agent. <sighs> anyway, okay, back to the show. Because, you know, we've got a real important bit that just hasn't been beating us over the head at all. Um, we're back at Soong's place. Adam comes in. Corey confronts him about her quote-unquote sisters and asks if she would ever gotten to leave, no matter what. Because she's just like, I'm basically trapped here, right? Uh, she wants him to explain this experiment. Um, and I wrote that there's some meta babble because it wasn't exactly techno babble it was sort of medical ish but i don't know if it made sense or not because i only work to get people jobs in the healthcare field i don't actually work in the healthcare field so i have no idea <laughs> um anyway but uh, you know i didn't know if if rebecca with her love of techno babble if that was if if that was enough babble for her or not but you know I mean, it it doesn't, you know, it doesn't quite scratch the te- the uh, techno babble itch, but you know, I love a good babble. Yeah, yeah, so that's good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, she talks about how he made up this mother, and she he said it was to make her happy, and of course she's mad because her father lied to her about having a mother, which she didn't, and he's not exactly really her father, and I whatever anyway. Rightly so, she accuses him of not loving her and just loving his work. So it's like the idea of her kind of thing. (laughs) And he gets real creepy and mad. Like, it's like, did you just, did you just get drunk again? What happened? Because then he's all like, you exist because I willed it. (laughs) Like, he snaps really quick. Just the snapping quick and just, that's a very soon quality. Fair. That's fair. I didn't even think about that, but you're so right. It's definitely, uh, runs in the family. Ooh. Uh, but like I said, she threatens to leave and he's just totally sort of dumbstruck that she's like walking out. She goes outside. She takes off her shoes. She walks in the grass. She's fine. And he follows her and is just still like, what are you doing? Oh my gosh. And she holds up the little vial and she's just all like, hmm, freedom from you. Ha ha ha. And, you know, he says, then he has the gall to say, you don't exist without me. And it's like, well, she maybe wouldn't have, but once you effectively, I don't know, did the deed, I guess, like, like he was saying, anybody can procreate or whatever, but like, you know, once he created this life, she exists, and then it's 
he could be gone and she could still exist. Like it doesn't doesn't mean anything. Um, so pr- arguably, I think the best bit of Corey's character happens here, where she threatens to call the cops if he follows her because you know he doesn't he doesn't want them to know that he was doing this like genetic like testing and all this kind of stuff and cloning and all these kind of things. Um, and then she says, maybe you don't exist without me. And then she leaves. So that's like, unfortunately, that's like the best part of this character is getting to say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I really liked, <clears throat> excuse me, I really liked that line where she was like, maybe you don't exist without me. Um, and, and I will say that, like, although I think that this character clearly was just created to further the Soong sort of storyline here, I do think that Issa Briones does a really good job of playing a person coming to terms with with not being loved for who they are, Um so like when when she says to him like of course if, she does w- that's what she did last season yes you're absolutely yeah. right although yeah she's she's although, it's she's not bad she just has not a good character to work with it's not her fault yeah but they really typecast her in this role of just giving her characters that are all like this uh, I mean what's gonna happen. In season three, like there's gonna there's gonna be an actual ancestor, right? Descendant, yeah, I'm going the right direction of 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 Corey, and then that looks just like her, who also becomes a Borg and then unborged or something. And then she has a whole thing like Seven because she doesn't feel like people can love her because she's part Borg or whatever. <laughs> it's like, stop. Just stop rehashing this. Give her something oh, I mean, She can do it. I, I feel it. And please give Elnor something to do season three. I know that's not where the scene is right now, but I just... He's such an interesting character. Yeah, even when he shows up here, it must be. And yes, it, it's actually this very scene that we're up on. Um, so Seven gets up, helps Rafi up because she had been, you know, held by the throat. Um, and they realize here that there must be some Agnes because she's so mercy, all that kind of thing. Um, and they also realized that she probably Googled things on the guy's phone, basically to find out where she could go to find whatever she wanted. And this is where we see this flashback with Rafi and Elnor and, you know, and she admits to being manipulative and it's like, even here, even in that part, like he was still very true to his character and Rafi kind of made fun of him, like, Oh, what, oh, what does he say? Please, please choose to live or whatever, you know, like, I mean, did she really need to, like, make fun? And, like, and she was one trying to get him to be in 
the security track or something at at the academy and it's like he's like I'm not very covert <laughs> which is true like he can't pretend to be things he's not he's not very good at that but she kept pushing him and that was really sad but it was all kind of like interesting because he's still like trying to be this who he is but he's trying to um you know kind of like when you try to please your parents that's sort of like what he was doing um he even was but he was like I can take a gap year and go back to Vashti and help him out and I'll come back to the academy it's fine but you know she guilts him into not going back and staying in the academy and then we get back to Rafi and Seven as she's telling the story and um she says she manipulated him into staying for her and then he died in her arms and which makes it even more like guilt and trauma and all that I think for her because she probably knew she knew like I don't know I want to say deep down because that's what people say but it's like she knew but she ignored the fact that he stayed just because she told him to you know like I don't really think some of that stuff is in your subconscious. You just try to pile other things on top of it so you don't see it. <laughs> so you can ignore those bits of yourself that you don't like. I I thought the flashback was awkward, though. Like, the transition into the flashback didn't feel right. Like, the, the music itself was goofy. Um, like, it just, the music seemed to, like, get too loud in that scene. And also, like, when we get back out of the flashback, I don't know. It, it felt very mishandled. Like, we know that Rafi is, is trapped in thinking about Elnor and it feels guilty because he, like, he keeps popping up. Like, and then we also get a flashback as well. I don't know. I The whole Rafi-Elnor thing has felt really, to me, forced that she's been in this mother role to him and it's been an interesting because it i don't know did we get a lot of rafi as mother to elnor season one no i think it was just supposed to be believed that the year in between the two is when all that happened that she like took him under her wing or whatever but the only evidence we have is just this one scene where all she comes across this as is just manipulative. I mean, it's... Yeah. And, I mean, you know, Michelle Hurd does a good job of being uh, traumatized by his death and all that. And, like, be showing that she had, like, that their characters were supposed to have this sort of mother-son relationship. But then when we actually see it, it's like, oh no, she's still just making him do what she wants. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like if they wanted, they didn't necessarily need to have this bit. Like she could have just said, you know, you're right. I am manipulative and I just didn't want to admit it. And he stayed, he could have gone back to his planet and he stayed here because he stayed at the academy because I asked him to and or I told him to and then he's dead because of me because of that and I 
you know, like, how long did that take? Yeah, I, I feel like this is the opposite problem. Like, it, when when people are writing, you know, the writer's always told to show the audience, don't tell. But I feel like this moment could have just been told to us. Like, we didn't need to see mm-hmm. this moment. Because we already were showed with the other moments. Yeah. yeah. Like, you don't need to keep showing it. We get it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, I mean, and I would have liked it better, I think... Like, the transition. I know how you're talking about that. Like, it might have been better if it had been... If we had, at some point, seen her space out and then remember this or something. You know, not like mm-hmm. that she's, like, telling the story. Well, and we get another flashback later on, which feels very natural compared to this one. Well, yeah. yeah, I think if they had... I think if they had taken the time to do, like, maybe several flashbacks over the season showing how Raffi and Elnor came to have this relationship where she viewed him as a son. I think it would feel less forced. and I think it would feel less, well, we just have to cram this exposition into here. So you understand like why she's so sad. I, I think that might've been the better way to go. Mm-hmm. We go back to Soong's place and it, auto-corrected to Song's place, but that's okay. Uh, we see him drinking, like, strewn across the stairs, you know, because he's come back in from this whole thing with Corey, and then he's getting drunk because it's the only thing he knows how to do, and the door opens, and we look up, and it's Agnes. Of course, you know, still look, looking pretty bitchin' in that dress and the boots and all that. Um, Excuse me, who is it? Who is it, though? It's not Agnes. Okay. Dr. Borg. I forgot. I'm sorry. I was reading. Uh I should have have done a find and replace for everything that said Agnes and turned it to Dr. Borg. Dr. Borg. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so Dr. Borg is like, I love that she's like, um, it's... I don't think it's necessary to to tell you like how futile resistance is or whatever or something like that. I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah, I think she says something about. I I I assume we could skip the lecture about how futile resistance yes, is, yes. and just the way that she says it, she actually almost sounds like Annie Wershing, mm-hmm. the uh, the the actress who plays the board queen. She actually sounds like her in this scene which I, I don't know if that's all um, Allison Pill or I'm, if that's like some kind of voice dubbing thing they not voice dubbing but like some kind of like auto tuning type thing but whatever I'm, it is I love it I'm sure we can find mm-hmm. out but she is also a voice actress that's done a lot of things so oh. she might have been a, I mean she has she's done as much voice acting as she's done other stuff I get you yeah so she may be you know able what? to it, it could just be that she's just that talented with her voice. All right, everyone. I did change. I did change my notes from well, Agnes to Doctor Borg. Saw, thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, so, Adam Soong asks Doctor Borg if this is a dream or a nightmare. To which she replies, "That's up to you." <laughs> Day five hundred ninety-two in the basement. Again, Wells asks, why were you at the gala? And 
then the lights start flickering and it's like <laughs> we're still in this X-Files episode and then you see young Guinan revealing herself to Picard and she's just trying to tell him all humans are stuck in the past and it must have taken a lot out of her because we see her like in her own little room and her nose is bleeding and so then it goes all like stranger things on us and so and Picard, like I don't know why Picard needed this to be like oh the oh yes hum humans are stuck in oh, oh oh you're stuck in the past I know a guy who's <laughs> stuck in the past when I see one like weren't you are weren't you all you both were already saying this to him why did he need this can either one of you so, explain that to me uh, also but could. Could we tell Wells could see young Guinan when she was projecting into the room, or could he not? Maybe he could she see was the just... lights flickering. Yeah, the lights are right? flickering, but maybe she was just projecting into Picard's mind. Yeah, I think this scene exists to be like, look at these cool powers Guinan has that you never knew about. That's why this mm -hmm. scene exists. I, I, one hundred percent, that's what I think is because. Okay. We've seen her do stuff in this season that we've never seen Guinan do before. This is like um, R2-D2 being able to fly in the prequels. 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. you never knew R2-D2 could fly? Oh, he always could. We just never showed it to you. Oh, you didn't know that um, Guinan could be just like Eleven from Stranger Things? Oh, she could, but we just never showed it to you. I, I think that this scene exists to do that. Um, I mean, yes, she does prompt Picard to sort of question him about his past, like what happened to you in your past that made you like this. So, I mean, yeah, I guess it does have some purpose other than just showing off cool powers, but I think it's mostly to show off cool powers. Mm -hmm. How rude, guys. How rude. <laughs> and I, I just, and I'm talking to you, Paramount writer people or whatever the card yeah you're the ones that are rude my friends here they're wonderful <laughs> um so this scene this is like the most like x-files scene of this entire episode because you know we've got like the lights flickering and we've got Guinan like just showing up to sort of whatever you know it's almost like a some sort of weird hallucination sort of like there's like the episode of the x-files where they're like on that boat that's like in the bermuda triangle or something and they see each other as other people anyway whatever anyway it's, never mind i don't need to start going into x-files now on the show because i go into so many <laughs> other things um <laughs> picard is like why are you so hellbent on, you know, this alien thing. What is wrong with you? What happened in your life? Tell me. I'll give you the truth if you tell me the truth. An exchange of truth is technically what he says. Um, and so Wells calls Picard the monster in the dark because he ran into a monster in the dark, which were the Vulcans. But we get to see what happened before this very first um, scene in the cold open. We go, we flash back, and he's looking for his dog, whose name is Maggie. I mean, I assume, like, like already stated, 
We assume it's a dog. Could be his sister. Could be his brother. Could be his mom. Could be... I think he does say pup. I think he says here pup. Okay, yeah, so I, I think, think he does. I think he does. So That's I think, fair. yeah, it's, it's a dog. I, I'm pretty okay. sure. Uh, <laughs> I was just having fun just like naming him. It's his teacher. Um, yes. So he's looking for Maggie. And then it's his he kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, he comes up on the Vulcans, and then we see him running. So it starts, we see the Vulcans, and they're doing some experiments or something. They're a little, like, campsite thing, and he's just like, oh, shit. And then he turns around, and he starts running, and then it basically becomes that first scene. And it goes all the way through till he drops his flashlight, picks it up, and shines it on the Vulcan. Well, then... The Vulcan does a mind meld to him, and Wells is explaining this, and he's thinking these Vulcans are monsters from space that were trying to pull out his eyes and kill him and all this kind of stuff because he was like, his fingers were through my skin, and then he was gone. (laughs) And Picard's like, wait, 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 I think this is what it was, and he, you know, does, does this to Wells, and... (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, he tries to explain, well, what he was doing was probably trying to erase your memory of this, so this kind of thing wouldn't happen. So basically what happened is it just erased Wells's memory from, like, this point on of the Vulcan. So even if he saw the Vulcans, like, walk away or anything, he doesn't remember any of that. But he still remembers the part before, which leads him to be this crazy... Uh, it's the aliens history channel guy. <laughs> I couldn't remember his name all of a sudden. You know, I, I just want to say this about this scene. This scene is probably my favorite scene in the entire series so far. I, I mean, we start out with the flashback. I didn't know what was going on. I was still convinced it was Picard having a dream until we got to here. And I just, I love the setup with the Vulcans and how this has, like, traumatized him for so long. And the the moment when Agent Wells, like, he's, Picard's, like, explaining what was actually happening. And Agent Wells just, like, collapses in into the back of his chair. And it's just, like, this weight's been lifted off his shoulder. He's had this unknown out there. And suddenly... Everything now makes sense of what's what had happened. And I just felt like it was such a powerful I don't know. It was, I love this scene. It it was a great scene and I totally agree with you that like Picard gives him so much comfort here because he shows him the mind meld with with of of how it's done and he explains it to him what was happening. And and you're right, it is a huge weight off of him because all of this time he thought like these terrible alien things tried to kill him and that wasn't it at all. They were trying to erase the memory of them so that he would not be traumatized. But it just it didn't go for whatever reason the mind meld didn't work. And um 
this poor guy's been living like this all this time. It is a really great scene. I do enjoy, and I love that Picard's able to give him some relief from just this pain that he's been feeling for so long. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really touching scene. Of all of these scenes in the basement, this one is def, this one is definitely the best one. And, you know, and it does actually give us some sort of something about this Wells guy, you know, not just him asking, why were you there? <laughs> what do you want with Europa? You know, like, the, it actually, like, I think it did a really good job. And it was also, I know I said earlier, like, why is there X-Files in my Star Trek? And this is, like, the most X-Files-iest, like, Stranger Things-iest of all of the, like, scenes that just don't feel Star Trek, but I still like it a lot. Like, I like it more than all those other scenes, and I like it more than some of the other scenes anyway. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily my favorite scene of everything, but it, it is good. I do like it. Um, but yeah, like, him thinking, it's interesting because they keep, you know, we don't need someone to tell us that uh, the of the threads, like if somebody was like if Picard after this was like, you know, when I was a boy, I had a traumatic experience, and I was thinking that monsters took my mother away, but really, she just had unmedicated, you know, <laughs> mental. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we we absolutely did not need that here, yeah. and I'm glad that they didn't give it to us. Which yeah. they've done that, like like we said, they've done that with some things in this, mm -hmm. but not mm -hmm. everything, so I'm glad that they didn't, because just, <clears throat> just the whole thing, you know, granted, we did have him explaining to Renee about his mom, but that was different. Like, here would not have, it would not have worked here. It would have no, it would have been too heavy-handed, I feel like. so. But I like it because they had this sort of connection where they both had, like, this trauma when they were kids, and they're not, they're misremembering things, and it deals with monsters and all kinds of stuff, and it, I don't know. It, and, you know, apparently they are the same boy. <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyway, that's how, that's how they do, should do the you know, running theme threads, not like, hey, hey, everybody's going to say that humans are stuck in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Let every character say it and then they'll know. So anyway, we head back to the La Serena for like a second. We find out that the transporter subroutine is offline. Uh, Puerto Cardo thinks that he broke it. And Rios is like, no, no, it was somebody else. And so, you know, then he c communicates to Rafi to tell her there's a problem because, you know, they can't get them back. Um, anyway, so, you know, I didn't necessarily need to throw that in there, but could have thrown it in a little later. Um, <sighs> anyway. Wait, wait, so, so here's a question. Yes. If the transporters don't work now because of the Borg subroutines and the Borg whatever, how is it that he could beam up with uh, Teresa and uh, and uh, Ricardo? It worked just fine last episode. Oh. Well, I, didn't they shut 
so once they get to the ship, don't they decide like, oh, wait, we need to shut everything down and make sure the Borg's out of the system? And right. And I thought like once it was rebooted, oh, the transported doesn't work. Oh, okay. That, uh, that so like the does queen, track. Okay. Like the queen was expecting like, oh, they know I messed around in there. They're going to, you know, reboot and try to purge everything, but I'm going to stick in right here. Okay. You know what? That that does make a lot of sense because I'm like, it worked just fine before. Why is it suddenly not working now? Um, but that that does make sense if they sort of did like a, did, did you try turning it off, turning it on again? And then it and then that, that loads like, you know, the virus that was loaded to your computer. Yeah. Okay. That, that tracks. I have a I question. Oh. I, I might have the same question you ask. Oh, well, I don't know if you do or not, because I was going to ask this question <laughs> before uh, at a different episode. Um, is that, is, I, I know that uh, Gene Roddenberry's wife had done the voice of the computer and that she had recorded lots of things. Is that where we get this voice of the computer? Or is it just someone that kind of sounds like her? Does anybody know? You know, I, I have the same thought. I said to myself, that sounds a lot like Magel Barrett, but... I could um, not remember what her last name was. I remember her name was Magel, but I could not remember her last name. Yeah. So I'm sorry <laughs> that I just called you Dean Roddenberry's wife. Um, I mean, I... You know... Okay, sorry. Go on. No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna... I was just gonna go the whole spiel about her, her character, you know, being the whatever sorry never mind okay (laughs) um i i I know that she did record uh as you had said a lot of stuff like to sort of they they could piece together things but i don't think it was her but i do think it's somebody that sounded a lot like her i i couldn't tell um but i did have a question does Dr. Borg now have access to the transporters? I'm going to say yes. Yeah, because, okay. because, you know, they're, it, they figure out, we'll just put all this together. So, um, you know, Guinan is talking to Picard about Q and then they end up getting back together with the crew and everything and they figure out that that Dr. Borg wants the La Serena so probably when they did the reboot on this it gave like like you said it it uh, took everything offline and now she has the power because she knew that they were going to do that so now it like Mm -hmm it like pinged her phone or whatever. <laughs> she Dr. Got... Borg is tricky like that. Yeah. She got the notification that now she can <laughs> beam over there and <laughs> take she over. Got the notification. <laughs> Your ship is ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like those little things that they'd give you at restaurants that like vibrate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my ship is ready. And this, this giant uh, circular beeper thing is buzzing. 
Oh boy. Um. Anyway, no. so. Do we think that there's any chance that Wells might be the one to go to the future and not Rios' girl? Whoa. The, I just asked that because young Guinan said something like weird about how like the ebbs and flows of time and like I feel like maybe if this character gets brought to the future like it all of this backstory we got of him might make sense that he gets to go to the future like the Vulcans messed up his life maybe his life can be now redeemed going into the future hmm Interesting. I hadn't really thought about that at all, actually, but that uh, that would be pretty interesting if, if he went to the future. Yeah, that would be pretty interesting. Maybe him and Rios are going to trade places. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, okay, so we're almost done. We're almost there. Um uh, you know, the, we've got Guinan talking, when Guinan was talking to Picard, she was telling that she knew that Q was dying and all that kind of stuff, and then Wells comes in, all dramatic like, with a box full of stuff, because he's been fired, because, you know, he's the crazy, uh, he's Spooky Mulder, um, also, I might have to start calling Wells Spooky Mulder if he's, if he continues <laughs> to be in this show. <laughs> um, you know. What was it? Wish.com Mulder? Yeah. Or that one? <laughs> <Wish>. <laughs> oh, oh. There's a, like a Wish.com James Marsden in uh, the uh, book of Boba Fett. Anyway. He gets shot. <laughs> it's fine. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is kind of a Wish.com. Yeah. No, okay. that's right. I just uh-huh. hadn't really talked to anybody about that except for Cindy. So, you know. Um. Okay, so we're back at Doc at Doctor Soong's with Doctor Borg. She's complaining satellites are too slow, and then she's like, "Hey, you could either be this great, renowned legend with uh, statues built to you, or you could be this sad, lonely drunk. Sorry, that's the only two futures you've got. You need to do this for me. We need to get rid of Renee." Wait, that's her name, isn't it? That just sounds, it seems so wrong. We haven't yeah, talked about name. her in so long. Yeah. So, you know, she, she fills them in on how they're going to get rid of them and all this kind of thing, and that she wants to trade him doing this for her for the things that she wants, you know, and meanwhile we flash to where uh, Picard has met up with Rafi and... and uh, seven and they mention not Laris using her transporter because they can't use the one in the La Serena and I'm like well what the hell happened to her like is she still did she go back to watching Renee after she was watching Picard and then jumping in his brain and stuff like what we don't even know she just disappeared I guess at least she got mentioned um, but not by us because we don't use her character's name Um, so we flash over to Dr. Borg, Dr. Soong, and some, like, soldiers of fortune or something. 
they're like gonna raid Mission Control because he's like, I get some Mission Control. Um, and Dr. Borg goes and she assimilates one, I guess. I mean, she like puts her hand up to his head and he gets all these like circuitry looking things on him. And then Sung is surprised and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so next week's I, I... episode is called Hide and Seek. So it's like, oh, uh, oh. Okay. I, I think these are meant to be the. I think these are meant to be the people that he was experimenting on. Like when he gets called before that, like review board, mm. and he talks about how mm-hmm. he was working with ex soldiers. Oh ex, yes, this is like a su- super soldier serum. I, I yeah, the, these are his evil super soldier serum people. I think. I think that's who they're meant to be. Because I was like, this is so random. How does he know, like, a SEAL team? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. It's because he was, that's who he was working with doing his e- experiments. And uh, I th- think that's who these guys are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's what I got, too. Well, they just seem super familiar with Zoom. Like, they know... They're in for whatever ride they're going to get through. Like, when, you know, Dr. Boar walks up and, you know, is saying whatever she says about the adding your distinctiveness to our own in a very Dr. Borg way. Like, you know, they don't know what's going on, but they're still, they've hung around for, you know, Soon's experiments, so they might as well just keep hanging around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um... This should be pretty interesting going forward because if she's going to assimilate these these um, ex soldiers, I mean, they're already probably pretty pretty. Uh, they're probably going to be difficult to deal with mm-hmm. anyway. Like even if they weren't, <laughs> but now that they are going to be Borg, I mean, yeah, they're going to be pretty relentless. So this uh, this should be interesting as she starts assimilating people. Hmm. Join us next time for Dr. Borg and the Winter Borg. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> Dr. Borg and the, and the Winter Soldier. I love it so much. <laughs> the Winter Borgers. The, the winter drones. <laughs> oh, the winter drones. Yes, yes, yes. Dr. Borg and the winter drones. I love it. Oh, my God. Hmm. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Dr. Borg and the winter drones. I love it. <laughs> so we've only got, what, two episodes left? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've got a lot to wrap up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so interesting. I was just thinking about last night when I was watching the episode, and I'm wondering, and I'm curious to know your thoughts on this, do you think that they will wrap it up in this season, or will this continue to season three? Well, we kind of talked about that before. Like, I had mentioned that a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But... Okay, fine. You want people to watch season three because all your favorites from TNG are coming back or whatever. But that leads us to believe that they're going to go back to their actual time at some point. So, 
are we going to have to go the whole season and not see any of those people until the end? Or, you know what I mean? Like, they can't, it's not like, oh, yeah, well, they're going to be in episode two because whatever. Or some of them are. Because, obviously, if this is still taking place, if this if they leave us in 2024, the rest of them aren't going to come back in time to save his ass. Mm-hmm. They don't know where he is. No, no, true. I, I guess what I'm asking, though, is um, when I say wrap it up, I, I should have been clearer. Like, do you think that they'll... So, like, let's say by the end of this season, do you think that they will have gone back to their time and stopped the Borg threat from episode one? Or will we be dealing with the Borg threat? Will that be the... the th- Will that be the theme that carries over into season three? I I think I could definitely see that. I think that we might get back to the present, but I think we'll leave on a good cliffhanger. And and a cliffhanger in a way of, like, maybe doomed beyond repair. Maybe that's why they made the big announcement of, like, who's all coming back for season three. Hmm. Because we might end season two of like, oh, there's no hope. Like, and maybe, you know, people aren't super excited about season three. But if you're, if you know, hey, all of your favorites are coming back, so it can't be all bad. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if we're, if we'll, we're not going to wrap up the Borg threat, but they will get back to their, their time. And then maybe the rest of season three is trying to deal with the Borg threat. Because we did see in the trailer for season three, like scenes of our TNG characters, like, you know, getting locked and loaded, like with like phaser rifles and stuff. And, and like Picard and, and, and Riker, like ready to tag team this again and be like, yeah, I'm ready. And, you know what I mean? Like, it seems mm-hmm. like that's where they're headed. I don't I'm know. Good I, mm-hmm. I'm good with more Borg. I'm not going to shake a stick at Borg. <laughs> <laughs> Those Borg aren't anything to shake a stick at. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Oh, those Borg always terrorizing my cows. Like, yeah, it's just—it's always a, a good a good Borg story is always a good thing, and, and for me, I enjoy yeah, a good like Borg, a, Borg story. It's a good Dalek story, you know. Let's let's bring on the good villains every once in a while. Yeah, good. Hey, villains. who 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 do you think is the better villain, Daleks or Cybermen? I know it's not Star Trek, but it's a Doctor Who question. <laughs> I I definitely would go with the Daleks. Yeah. I It sort of depends on kind of you'd have to go through like all the sort of things. But I think the most ruthless are the Daleks, therefore they're scarier to me, but also they're the Cybermen are really scary because they're actually people. Mm-hmm. I, so like I'd say it, like I think too hard on it, but yeah, my initial my initial gut reaction is usually just to say Daleks, but but yeah, I do kind of the Borg and the Cybermen that kind of thing. They kind of freak me out because you know, sure, it's too close 
to reality. Mm-hmm. But these new Borg drones, our, our winter drones, look so different than the Borg that we're used to. Mm-hmm. You know, because her, her nanites are different. And, like, they just... I wonder how they're going to... If they're going to change or if the nanites are... Like, where are all the tubules? Where are the, uh, you know, the, the electric arms and spinners? Like, it, it, this is an interesting generation of Borg. If she ends up making a Borg queen army and it's a, you know, a new generation of Borg drones. But it's so different than the Borgs that we're used to. Yeah, I I agree. This is definitely a different. Um, this is a different Borg. Um, but I think these aren't your mama's Borg. These <laughs> these aren't your mama's Borgs. Um, that is hilarious. I love that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I I enjoy that. Uh, the, these aren't your mama's Borg. Um, <laughs> No, I do like that. I do like that they are trying to definitely distinguish themselves. You know, they don't want to just make a copy and paste of TNG. And I, I mean, I, I can't speak for all fans, but like for me personally, I wouldn't want that either. As much mm-hmm. as I enjoy TNG, I, I don't want a copy paste of that. Um, I enjoy the differences that Picard has brought to the universe that I love so much. Um, and yeah, it, it stands to reason that, you know, this Borg queen who exists in a different, on a different timeline merged now with this incredibly brilliant doctor, uh, Borg. Um, then yeah, I, uh, why, why wouldn't this Borg be different and why wouldn't she create different drones or create drones differently? Excuse me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I enjoy that. I like a little, I like to mix it up. I like it when they mix it up in 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 the universe. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I. You know, sometimes things are bad when they are mixed. You know, remix or whatever. But um, right now, I. I'm going with it. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just gonna be along for the ride. Gotcha. For this whole thing, I mean. We've got Guinan bleeding out of her nose and flickering lights and stuff and screaming into bottles. Yes, I mean, sure. I why, why, why not? Screaming like a banshee. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, the good outweighs the bad. So. Yes, absolutely. I feel like they can't. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know that they can make the board. Like, even if the board are different, I don't know that they can make them not enjoyable or not scary or something like that would be Mm -hmm. for me that would be the whole thing is if they were all and now they're just uh sure they're drones but they're the ones that just deliver your packages from amazon or something (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean non-threatening borg other than you is i don't I don't need it. <laughs> we are the Borg. Here is your fish from Amazon. Please sign here. <laughs> have a good day. <laughs> we have delivered your duct tape. 
we have delivered your prime delivery. <laughs> I, love, I love the idea of a Borg drone just delivering Amazon packages. I, just, I would love to see that. I would love to see somebody draw that. <laughs> I better write that down so I don't forget. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. <laughs> All right. Do we... Do either of you have anything else to say about this episode or the season or anything? I think that about says it for me. I I felt like this. I really liked being on for this episode because I enjoyed the X Filesiness mm-hmm. of it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the the season a lot. It's interesting to see where it's going to go. Um, Yeah, I don't know how they're going to wrap everything up in the next two episodes. Let me just say that. I wonder yeah. if you were going to go on because you paused for a long time there. You're like, oh. yeah, I just I think we're going to see more Borg season three, um, mm-hmm. and I hope we see more Doctor Borg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doctor Borg and the Winter Drones. I love mm-hmm. it. Just that is uh, I I love that. That is just I I think we have been really good at coming up with like funny nicknames and stuff on this on this show <laughs> I'm very <laughs> proud of that <laughs> I, I we hadn't posted our episode where you were saying not Laris it had not been posted at the time that that writer had wrote the article about calling him not Laris or calling her not Laris or whatever okay because it was like right about you know what I mean it was like right about the same time so it, there's no way but if anybody starts calling her Dr. Borg that's all us that is us oh, no I have not seen Dr. Borg anywhere else so nobody steal our ideas <laughs> <laughs> better not have Borg delivering packages yeah that's <laughs> us too <laughs> we came up with that we're funny <laughs> <laughs> That was really cute. We're funny. <laughs> We're funny. <laughs> Don't steal our funny things. <laughs> oh, lovely. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank you listening. so much. So much fun as always. And uh, yep, th- I was gonna say thank you for joining us. Um, since you are an enterprise person, we, you know, eventually when we start doing the um, uh, uh, personal logs again, you can come do an enterprise episode you want i haven't really seen any it either be an enterprise or discovery okay i haven't seen any discovery at all i've seen like four enterprise episodes (laughs) oh i just gasped i don't know if you could hear the audible gasp but there was yeah i heard it (laughs) i'm here for picard that's why i was like rebecca if you want to do this i will do this with you (laughs) <laughs> and I'm just like catching up on other other trek while I'm at it. I've been doing a whole universe chronological order rewatch and I'm right um I just finished Next Gen and I'm right when Deep Space Nine and Voyager has just started. Oh, and it's nice. a back and forth before Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Cool. That's a fun way to watch Star Trek is watch it chronologically. It's it's really been a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. 
And, and just because starting he, with Enterprise, like, mm-hmm. Enterprise is such a good prequel show. Like, it's not real Star Trek. Not yet. But it's a good prequel. Okay, that's mm-hmm. fair. Yeah, it's, it's definitely feels very different than a lot of the other Trek shows. It, it definitely does. And you know what? I think it's meant to because it takes place at a time before Starfleet was even really a thing and it takes place before the Federation was even really a thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and the Vulcans are all dicks, which tracks and, and it's, it's such a, yeah, it's, it, 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 even though it's not my favorite of the tracks, I appreciate it for what it's doing and appreciate it for the feel that it, it it's it's that it generates. Yeah, going back and doing the rewatch, I really had a nice time with it. Like it really, I think it holds up maybe a little better than some of the other Star Trek that's out there. Okay. Cool. Because there, I mean, I just finished rewatching Next Gen, and there's some rough Next Gen. <laughs> yeah, there are some. Rough. <laughs> I actually just saw an article recently uh, where they talked about that the the infamous episode. Um, I think it's called Code of Honor. It's the episode with the planet of like black people, which is oh, incredibly yeah. season one. Yeah. That one is terrible. Um, and I saw an art. So it basically said that they would love for Trek to revisit that planet and be like, oh, yeah, those people you met last time, they were just like one tri- one part of our planet. The rest of it is like Wakanda. So it's <laughs> they kind of go back and like maybe like fix it a little bit. And it, so incredibly racist. <laughs> that would be a good mm-hmm. one to retcon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. I think that one definitely should be retconned. <laughs> what I was going to say is that the sort of the difference between the two ends, like the beginning of TNG, where there were some really problematic things, to the end of TNG, where there were some really, like, questionable things on the other side, like, you know, our favorite you know, the Picard cast favorite. Um, Subrosa. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say uh, space ghost sex, but yeah. Yeah, sex space ghost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's episode you... just, it makes no sense. The whole episode's <laughs> completely ridiculous, and I love it for it. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's so silly. We keep trying it's... to get someone to review it with us. Oh. I mean, I could for the lulls. Let's just say that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. We wouldn't take it seriously. Like, we're not going to talk about, like, you know, the themes about equality or anything. But, like, (laughs) it's totally just about having sex with a ghost. I mean, that's really all that it is. Setting an alien planet, but it also happens to be a recreation of Scotland on an alien planet. Just because. Why not? (laughs) Why not? It's great. It's, and the only it, human on this planet is the one, like, person that's been taking care of the family house that's also on this planet. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's all. You can just listen to this because none of it makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. It, it, <laughs> it is the wackiest of wacky track. It, it's, it's right up there. It's right up there with Fox Brain. I for knew me. that's um, what you were going to compare it to. Yeah. Right? It. It's Fox Brain because it is the silliest, dumbest thing ever, but it's also the trekkiest thing ever. And I love it for what it's doing. I just, you know, it's silly. Yeah. <laughs> it's very much like, um, Kay said a few weeks ago, uh, like whistling past the graveyard. <laughs> yeah, whistling past, just whistle on past that graveyard. And, Don't ask. A lot you know, of in questions. this case, there's an actual graveyard in the in that episode. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god, <dad>. so good. <laughs> oh, anyway, okay, back to. Back to the goodbyes. We can chat after this. I don't know if everybody wants to listen to us talk about this <laughs> ridiculousness. Um, anyway, so again, thank you, Nicola, for coming. Uh, thank you, Rebecca, for being, you know, the best co-pilot. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And boldly go where no one has gone before. See ya. Bye. Cardcast is hosted by Brooke and Rebecca. You can find us at facebook.com slash PicardCast, on twitter.com at the PicardCast, or email us at PicardCast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and boldly go where no one has gone before.